You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast with me, Trip Kramer. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. Welcome back to another episode. We're going to be going over some things today that have been on my mind that I wanted to share with you to try to help you out with. And I wanted to get into some Q&A. People have been writing in their questions and I'm trying to catch up with them and I want to catch up with them. So that's what we're going to do. Answer your questions. So what what I want to talk about today, something that's on my mind. I wanted to share with you. You know, I've said some things in the past before surrounding this idea that women who are very beautiful have low self-esteem. So I've said this before, okay? And I've said, okay, women who are beautiful, I've said this in many ways. I've said women who are beautiful have low self-esteem. I've also said they're self-conscious. I've said they're not as confident as you think they are. It's been a number of different ways I've said it. Now, Here's the deal. It is a generalization, right? Not all pretty women have low self-esteem or are self-conscious or have issues with their appearance. But what I've noticed is that a lot do. And I wanted to talk about this today because I think this is really important for you to know. And again, I've never really tackled this topic more than just saying it in a in a in a passing sentence. You know, oh yeah, women who are beautiful, you know, do have self-esteem issues. But I really want to try to get you to understand this. Okay, so in my experience through women who I have talked to, who I've either dated or women who, even when I've been in relationships, who I've talked to to interview here on the podcast or for the YouTube channel, who I've, you know, who, who are generally attractive, who I've had here on the podcast, they show their insecurities to me so much. I, I couldn't even really explain it. I guess I'll I'll give you an example. Okay. I'm not going to name any names just to be nice to the person who was on my podcast recently, but we were texting each other and I did post a video of her on the YouTube channel. And she said this, okay, first of all, I look freaking terrible in that video you posted of me. So that was humbling. And also, wow. uh, Okay. So the rest of it doesn't matter, but the first part was really critical here. And it's so funny how I get this so much from some of these women who are super attractive. They're so obsessed with their looks that there are these moments where the insecurities start to peek through. She said, okay, first of all, I look freaking terrible in that video. It's funny. She looked totally fine in the video. In this video that I had of her on my YouTube channel, she looked totally fine. I mean, it was a little bit blurry, but that had nothing to do with how she looked, that was just the quality of the camera, but she looked totally fine. I I see this and I hear this all the time from some of these attractive women about caring so much about what they look like. And I'm not coming down on women right now. That's not the point. I'm not going, ha ha, you're self-conscious, you're obsessed with your looks. That's not the point of what I'm saying here. The point that I'm saying here is you guys and the guys that I coach and the guys that come to me for help and I hear your comments, you are still so nervous around beautiful women. You're still so scared to approach beautiful women. You still think in the back of your mind, you know, I just don't think I'll ever be able to get a woman like that. And what you don't see are the insecurities that I've seen from these women. And by the way, I should note here, whenever you see these beautiful women who you might obsess over on TikTok or Instagram or wherever, that's not what they look like. You have no idea how good these filters are. Maybe you do know, but... Let me tell you, these filters are good. I mean, even when I put a filter on myself on TikTok, 
when I do my TikTok videos, I'm like, that's not exactly what my skin and my face looks like. And I don't like do like a crazy face tuning thing, but you know, you can just swipe through and there's different filters. And I like to swipe through. I honestly, I'm not just trying to say this. Like I don't do it to make myself look better. I like to go through the filters to get different coloring. Like I like to get certain coloring on my videos so it looks cool, but it also happens to be it does make things appear better. I look better. And this is off of one tiny little filter that TikTok has on their, you know, videos when you want to do a, a TikTok video. But these women, they look flawless. Some of these women look flawless. Let me tell you something. That's not what they look like in person. But that's not the point. The point here is, well, I guess that is part of the point. I just don't want you to be so intimidated by these women and putting them so high in a pedestal because they're pretty. Let me tell you something. I think that my theory is that the most beautiful women in the world, the ones you would consider nines and tens even eights, nines, and tens, all these women are probably more insecure than any other woman because they know that they are beautiful. They know. People know. No girl doesn't know how pretty she is and where she lies on the spectrum of zero to 10. She knows. So the more beautiful they are, the more they feel like they have to lose, right? It's like if you're getting all, if you're really high up there, right? Like the the farther you climb up a hill, the harder the fall. So what does that mean here? Well, they know that they're super pretty. So if anything looks wrong, they have a acne or a pimple or their hair is messed up in a certain way, or their teeth look a certain way, it's going to affect them even that much harder because they don't want to lose what they have. And the thing is, is all women will lose what they have because we all grow old. So a lot of these women are insecure. It's sad. I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to put them down. It's sad. To me, it's sad. Um, I'm not trying to pity them either. Like, oh, they're beautiful. Poor them. I mean, listen, they have a lot going for them. And it's a lot easier to get jobs when you're more beautiful and they get a lot of attention. So I'm not trying to pity them too much here. I'm just saying that it is inherently sad that that even has to be an issue. So again, point is, is this is not so much about them, but the, how it relates to you. Guys, these women are feeling insecure all the time. They know that they're attractive, but they still feel insecure. They are so human. You know that saying like, oh, like, oh, y'all girls poop and all that stuff, whatever. Okay. Yes, obviously we all poop and dump, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about the fact that these women, they do feel the same kind of lack of confidence at times that you do as a man. So don't think that they're perfect because they're absolutely not. This is what I wanted to say to you on this episode. I want to answer some questions here in a bit, but I just wanted to bring that out to you and describe this to you and transfer over what I'm feeling to you over this mic as much as I can, because like I'm saying, I'm seeing it firsthand. So I just want to let you know, like I'm seeing it. So for me, I feel it. I know you, maybe you're not seeing it, but try to just live vicariously through me for a second as a guy who hears the insecurities of these women, these young, beautiful women. I'm telling you, they're not so different than you. So do not put them on a pedestal. All right. So there you go. There are some thoughts. Let's get into some Q&A. Before we get into Q&A, real quick, don't forget, if you need help from me, if you need to get actual accountability from me personally and getting you to the point where you are meeting other women on a consistent basis and meeting up and attracting the types of women that you're interested in, you can always work with me by going to coachedbytrip.com. That's right. Coachedbytrip.com is the place to go where you can learn more about coaching. You can see the amazing results that guys have gotten from the program. I'll spoil it right now and just say guys have, I mean, every result possible. People have 
have gotten married, people have gotten girlfriends, lost their virginity. I mean, it's endless how powerful this coaching can be, working with guys who are once shy, who then turn into complete rock stars with women. And I can help you do that. Coachedbytrip.com is the place to go to apply. And you and I will hop on a call and we'll see if coaching is a good fit for you. And I'd love to work with you. Now, for some guys, coaching is a little bit of a uh, a big step. Maybe they're not ready for it yet. They're not ready for the accountability and to jump right in. They want to go at a little bit of a slower pace or their own pace. You can do that too. I have a course called Hooked at getherhooked.com. Go ahead and go to that website and watch the video and you can learn about my Hooked program. It's a video course. It's about eight to 10 hours long that teaches you everything that you would learn in the coaching program, but you just do it on your own at a slower pace, of course, without the accountability but at least you can learn everything and it's all organized for you in a program that goes from A to Z, right? Beginning to end, like you're learning any kind of subject. Like if you wanted to learn how to play the guitar, you're not going to start by playing Stairway to Heaven. For those of you who don't know that Led Zeppelin song, if you are too young, please listen to that as soon as possible. Uh, But no, you're not going to be starting with a, a very difficult song. Instead, you're going to be starting from the very beginning so you can actually learn how to play the guitar. Again, in this case, we're not teaching you how to play guitar, but how to meet women in general. Point is, is it takes you from beginning to end. So everyone at all different levels can hop in this program and uh, and watch the, the different videos and take it from the very beginning. So there you go. Getterhooked.com is where to get the video course and coachedbytrip.com is where to apply to work with yours truly. All right, why don't we hop into the Q&A for real this time? Here we go. From Andy, hey Trip. hope you're having a great day. I have a question that would help me and the guys who listen to the podcast. I'm currently in college and go study semester abroad in France next August. Given that Mexico and France are two very different countries, how different is it to approach in a foreign country where you only know the basics of the language and what tips would you have for that situation? Also, it's known that in touristy places, tourists often get robbed, drugged, or worse. I don't want to be scared, but do you have any tips for avoiding that? Best regards, Andy. Okay. So I don't have any tips for you to not get robbed, drugged, or worse. Uh, The only tip I would have for you specifically is try to stay in the main touristy areas. So yes, I've done a lot of traveling myself. I've been to Mexico a number of times all over Europe. I've been to Australia, Southeast Asia. And the best thing you could do is just stay in the crowded touristy areas. That is going to be your best bet if you want to make sure that you're not getting robbed, drugged, or worse. Of course, that can still happen. So just be careful. Be careful of uh, nighttime. That's always usually a time where people get in trouble. I feel like I'm actually giving literal trip advice right now with with one P, trip advice. So hopefully that helps. But let's let's get into your question uh, regarding talking to girls, because that's what the podcast is called, How to Talk to Girls. Okay, so yes, Mexico, France, uh, Southeast Asia, Asia, South America, Canada, all different countries, all different types of women. But what should you do? Is it different? It's not that different. Okay, it might be slightly different when you go to certain countries where women might be a little bit more assertive and then other countries you might go where they're still a little bit more submissive or shy. So you might run across some cultural norms, but at the end of the day, a woman is a woman is a woman. And we're talking about human beings here. We are talking about the homo sapiens. So in that sense, I would just go into this like it was any other place. 
focus on the things that trigger attraction in a woman. It's not that different because she lives in a different country. I know people, and I've seen this on, on people comment on my TikTok. They're like, you are typical, you're a typical American giving typical American advice. This does not help in, in Europe and stuff like that. It's like, you know, listen to me. I'm telling you, it's not that much different. And I don't want you going around to different countries acting in a different way because, oh, wait, now you're in France versus Thailand versus Switzerland versus Chile. Listen, just play the same game. Tension, entertainment, dominance. The formula for attraction, which hint I do talk about quite in depth in my Hooked program. I also talk about it in my book, by the way, Magnetic. The idea here is women are going to be attracted to a guy who's confident, who's direct, who's dominant, a guy who's comfortable talking to them and doesn't seem shy or strange. This is all the different aspects of Ted and and a guy who knows how to flirt with her. Use that system. Use all the stuff I talk about in the different countries. Now, listen, the trouble that you're going to have is the language barrier. So that I can't help you with. You got to do your best. You know, you'll be quite surprised. Certain countries, like certain European countries, a lot of them do speak English. Like if you go to Scandinavia, like if you go to Sweden, I was there, or even if you go to any other Scandinavian countries, a lot of them learn English from the time that they were born. So they speak English very well. Again, sometimes you're going to go to a country like Mexico, maybe even France where they learn it, but they don't want to speak it. But anyway, point is, is do your best where you can. And if you want to really do this right, try to learn more than the basics of the language. If you know you're going to go there for a couple times, you're going to keep going back. But if you're going for like a week to Mexico, you know, there's nothing you can do. Just do your best. Learn learn a couple of things that you can. Try to, you know, use Google Translate if you want to. That could be fun. It's like you like go up to a girl and you show her on your phone something that you're trying to say and Google Translate it. And then she'll probably laugh and do your best. But just the act of going up, starting a conversation and trying your best is going to be always more than half the battle. So that's what I have to say about that, Andy. Hope that helps. Let's get to some more questions here. This one's from Nicholas. He says, hey, Trip, I just got back from doing some hill sprints at my favorite local park. There was an absolutely gorgeous woman there. She stopped her walk, started walking towards me and looked me in the eyes for a few seconds and smiled. I smiled back. We had a few seconds of looking at each other as she passed. That's obviously where I missed the opportunity. In my head, I was saying the usual, say something, anything, bro. She's interested, but I let it slip away. I've had several beautiful women show interest in the last year, which is new to me. A couple even approached me, waved, gave me the eyes and multiple green lights, making it easy for me to approach them, but I just can't seem to get over my approach anxiety. I've missed so many obvious opportunities with beautiful women that the pain of not saying or doing anything is far greater than the fear of rejection. My friend Nicholas... You are in a great place, believe it or not. He continues. He says, I know you have answered this question before, but I feel it's important to go over again. So how do I get out of my head and into action trip? How do I get over the anxiety slash doubt of approaching a woman who is clearly interested and stop thinking about the end result ahead of time? So much of your advice has already helped me and your pod is incredibly beneficial to any man looking to get back in the dating game. Thanks for considering answering this. Much respect and gratitude, Nicholas from Portland, Oregon. All right, Nicholas. Yes, I have talked about this time and time again, but I'm happy to answer it again. I'm happy to repeat myself. Sometimes we need to hear things upwards of seven times to really get it in our head, to really make the click and go, oh, okay, this is how this works. So let me answer this question for you again. No problem. How do you get out of your head and into action? The most important thing I would say is, well, there's a couple of things. First, you got to have an opener ready to go. 
One of the reasons why guys are so shy to go and approach is because they don't know what to say. So they get in their head. So here's what happens. You don't know what to say to her. So you're thinking about what to say. This increases the time between you going up and saying hi to her. So the more and more time that you spend from the moment you want to approach to the actual approach, the more and more time that passes by, the anxiety increases. I should probably do a video on this and show a graph. Like the longer you wait, your anxiety of approaching her exponentially goes up. Why that happens, we'd have to go over that maybe another time. But what's most important is that's the reality. As you continue to not approach, the anxiety gets worse. So the goal is to approach as fast as possible. That's what you want to do. You want to go over and approach as soon as you possibly can. How are you going to do that? You want to arm yourself with an opener. My favorite opener is, hey, two seconds, I wanted to come say hi. Or just say, hey, how's it going? And then your little continuation after that can be, are you from, and then the city that you're in. So you just ask them, are you from Los Angeles? Are you from Boston? Are you from Portland? That's where you're from, Nicholas. So they say, hey, what's going on? Are you girls from Portland? Are you from Portland? So if I were you, Nicholas, is you're, you're looking, this is the problem. You're, you and a lot of guys look at everything almost too holistically. You don't need to look at it so holistically, meaning you can just focus for the next month on the approach. And that's what I would say to any guy. By the way, that's what I work with, with guys on in the coaching programs, like just breaking it down step by step. And the first step is, let's just get you doing the approach. Who cares what happens afterwards? You're going to feel better that you did it than getting rejected. Also, it's so funny, the fear of rejection is, is so illogical, so irrational, because the rejections are never usually that bad. And most guys, almost probably 99.9% .9 of guys who I've coached, who I've pushed to do the approach, 99.9% .9 have said to me, yeah, I'm, I'm just glad I did it, even though it was kind of a bomb and it was hard and I felt embarrassed and all the negative emotions came up. I'm just still glad I did it. 99.9%. .9 Once in a while, I'll get a guy very seldomly who says like, oh no, it was, it was that tough. But most guys, they feel good that they did it. So why don't you just push yourself to do it? And the practical step to do that, Nicholas, is to go over there as fast as you can. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Like boom, 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 boom. Okay. If you wait, you won't do it. So there's your opener. Hey, what's going on? You don't need a pickup line. So you're saying to yourself, say anything, say something, bro. That's what you said. Now you're, you wrote this. You said, say something, anything, bro. She's interested. Don't even worry if she's interested or not. Here's the other thing too. Don't put too much emphasis on women who are giving you these choosing signals. They're looking at you and they're saying, oh, okay, yeah. Like they're giving you eye contact. You're feeling that like green light. As you said, you said multiple green lights. Who cares about green lights? You don't know what's going to happen. Just approach. Forget green lights, red lights. You see a girl you want to talk to, go up and talk to her. They'll be happy that you did. And that in itself is going to get you better. So using a three-second rule to go up as fast as you can and do the approach. And then once you do that approach, it's going to push you to do more approaches in the future because you're going to have more experience from it. And then you'll have more reference experience from it. And then you'll be a rock star because you'll just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. So you got to rip the band-aid off. And now you know what to do. You have an opener. You know what to say. So Nicholas, go to it, my man. You got this. All right, next question from Manolo. Hey, Trip, I'm a loyal follower and fan of the podcast and the book Magnetic. I just recently encountered a situation where I don't think has been covered. I really like when guys say that because I'm curious to know what he's going to say. He says, I recently went on a date and it was beautiful. 
had tension and entertainment on both accounts. I stayed dominant in leading her emotions while chatting various topics and also guiding her through the night on our outing. We ended up having first date sex, and I wonder what to do after the first date to land a second or to continue chatting. What do you do if it's a first date sex scenario or even a one-night stand? Curious to hear your thoughts on pursuing the woman after a one-night stand. Hope that's enough detail to get your gears going, my man. Big fan of your services to the dating world. Scratch that to the dating gods, Manolo. Manolo, that was a great uh, question. Thanks for asking it, and thanks for the kind words. Really appreciate it. All right, so uh, has this been covered? I think it has, but very minimal. I do cover it a lot in my coaching program because I get guys who end up having one night stands and first dates and all that stuff. But yes, we can cover that here. No problem. All right. So here's my theory. You know, there's going to be other coaches out there who might disagree with this or people in the red pill community who might disagree with this. But I think that this is really important. I think that this works the best. When you have a scenario where you have a one night stand or or first date sex and you're interested in seeing her again, you actually want to text her the next day because some women will actually reject you based on the fact that they might feel used by you. So if they have sex with you, and that's a big deal for a woman, and they don't hear from you for a while, they're going to feel crappy about it. And I don't think it's going to be crappy in the way that they're going to become more attracted to you and they're going to want you more. No, I think it works in the opposite way. But there is a balance, right? We don't want to text them the next day and be all needy and overbearing, but we want to show them, hey, you enjoyed your time and it was not a I used you for sex situation. So you can just text her the next day and say, hey, last night was awesome. And I wouldn't even do it in the morning. I would do it maybe in the late afternoon. So she gets that text message and she goes, okay, this guy just wasn't using me because that's a really big turnoff for a woman if she feels completely used by a guy. Because again, she's in a very vulnerable state after sex. For a man and a woman, it's a lot different. A woman starts to get attached to a guy after sex because of the chemical oxytocin, which releases from her brain when she does have sex with a man. It also releases from a man's brain too, but on a much bigger level for women. So that's why women get attached after sex. And so they need to feel a little bit comforted. But again, we don't want to be needy and say, oh, oh that's so good. It's the best thing ever. And I can't wait to see you again. That's overkill. So we just say, hey, last night was awesome see if they respond. And then you can even go into setting up another date. You're not going to sit there and text about it and say how great the sex was and talk about the sex and all that stuff. Just go into asking them on another date. That's going to make it a lot easier. So to answer this again, simply text the next day, say you had a fun time. And then afterwards, ask her on another date so you two can get together and continue to have fun. Manolo, hope that helps. Let's keep going. Corey writes in, says, hello, Trip. Love the podcast. That's helped me be more confident with talking with women. I'm a merchant mariner and go out to sea for months at a time. I have Wi-Fi in the ship, but it's not good enough to have phone conversations. I'm currently dating someone at the moment, and I'm not sure what I can do to keep her interested. I know you say texting should only be used to set up a date, but texting or email are my only methods of communication while I'm out in the ocean. What's the mindset of a woman when it comes to separation from work? What can I do to keep her interested? What kind of conversations should I have that don't get boring or redundant? I appreciate the help, Corey. Ah, oh, Corey, this is a tough one, man. Um, not a tough one to answer, but a tough one for you. You're not in an ideal scenario to keep up a relationship. You're in a long-distance relationship in theory. And long-distance relationships 
need attention, like a plant needs water and sunlight to grow. Attention is needed for a relationship to grow, but not only any kind of attention, it should be some sort of face-to-face interaction. So I wish I had a trick or a technique to help you out here, Corey, but there's nothing that you can really do. I don't think there's any special texting that you could do to keep her interested because you know what's going to happen? It's it's inevitable that your conversations are going to get redundant and boring. They're just going to get redundant and boring because you're just texting and you're doing the same thing on the ship and maybe she's just going through her life and maybe she's updating you on some things, but you know, this is this is a tough one for you. I think I, I, there there's no answer. I mean, I don't know if there's any way that you can at least FaceTime her because I would say to you, like, if you're going to be long distance for a couple months, FaceTiming is going to help a lot so you can see them and build more of a connection, but you can only text or email. I think maybe what I'm thinking here is maybe the texting should actually be up to a minimum. So instead of texting every single day, which might be the intuitive approach, I think we need to go the counterintuitive method is to not text every day and maybe text or email a couple times a week. So you actually have a lot to say and it can be exciting to finally get a text or an email, right? So she's gonna be excited. Okay, he's got a lot to say. You know, he hasn't talked to me in like four or five days. He can tell me what's going on and she can tell you what's going on. So I would probably test that out. But also I would say that you definitely need to be finding someone who's gonna be okay with this. It sounds like you do. I don't know if this is a relationship that you're in, but but you need to definitely find someone who's comfortable with this and you're just gonna have to deal with the fact that this is your job. And this is how it's going to be. And you are forced to use weak methods of communication, texting and email. So you're asking, what's the mindset of a woman when it comes to separation from work? I think you got to ask her. It's not good. You know, it's not good. I, I hate to be the, the tough love police here, but just got to be honest with you. It's not good. It's not good to be away from that. That's why I'm so against long distance relationships. And you're not only in a long distance relationship part time, but even long distance relationships, people can talk on the phone, they can FaceTime and all that stuff or visit each other. But yeah, I would I would consider another line of work. If you're really, if you really feel it's really important to do to have a relationship, maybe get married, have kids one day, I would definitely consider another line of work. Or else you're gonna deal with weak communication over text and you're going to be, yeah, or or here's another way of looking at it. Don't get into a relationship. Why don't you just have fun with women while you're not working? And for now, until you find a new job or maybe even forever, don't get into a relationship. Maybe that's just not going to be your lifestyle. Maybe that you can have a better time at work, not worrying about what to text and email your girlfriend. You can enjoy your work, enjoy hanging out with the people that you work with. And then you can come back from your three-month excursion and get to dating. So maybe dating, traditional dating is not going to be the thing for you. I would think about that too, Corey. All right, let's do one more here from Oscar. Hey, Trip, longtime listener of the podcast. The information you provide is always solid if actually executed. Unfortunately, I fall into the category of those who are energized by every episode, but have a hard time with the execution of your strategies. I have a question about something you touch on, but I've never heard a workaround for. I live in a decently populated city, about 45 minutes from LA. Things are starting to open up and I'm forcing myself to get out more and more. I usually hang out locally, but seven out of 10 times I go out alone. From what you've mentioned a few times, this isn't really advised as it might send the wrong message about social status overall. I guess my question is, what can someone do 
to not seem antisocial if the preference is not to go out with the group or wingman? Is there a workaround to seem more interesting alone? I realize this isn't the ideal situation at all. Thanks, Oscar. Interesting. You said here, from what you've mentioned a few times, this isn't really advised, meaning go out alone. Actually, I don't think I've ever mentioned that before. I think quite the opposite. So you're saying you go out seven out of 10 times, you go out alone. I actually was going to do a whole episode on this, and I still might, even though I'm going to touch upon this now. So bear with me if you hear another episode where I go deeper into this, but let's touch upon this for a second. Going out alone is the best thing you could do. It's incredible to go out alone. I highly encourage you to do it. The benefits are enormous. So yeah, I see what you're saying. You know, it might seem... Well, it's not going to seem antisocial because you're going to be going out and socializing. Can it put you in a weird social status? I don't know. Not really. People aren't really thinking about that. Meaning when you go over to a girl and she's like, where are your friends? And you said, you know, maybe a white lie. And you say, oh, they just left. Or you can you can even be honest and say, hey, I'm just, you know, I'm just hanging out. I'm just hanging out and, and I wanted to get out of the house and here I am. People don't care. They don't care about that. They might think, oh, that's interesting, but they don't care about that. They're just going to be thinking and feeling the experience that they're having with you when you're talking to them. So this isn't going to make you look weird or as weird as you think. It's not going to make you look antisocial at all. It's not going to make you seem like you have no friends. I mean, maybe it could, but they're not going to assume that. It, here, this is where it comes down to. They're not going to assume that if your approach is really good. If you're going up to a girl and your approach is solid, it's just solid. Like you're just talking to them, you're you're vibing, you know, you're flirting with them. The girl's gonna think you're super confident. She's only gonna assume that you're a rock star, that other girls like you, that you have a lot of friends and that you have status. They're gonna assume all that stuff based on the way that you're approaching them. So they're gonna take your word for it if you're like, yeah, no, I just decided to come out alone tonight. It's like to socialize and get out of the house and I just wanted to have some fun. It's okay, man. It's okay. You can totally go out alone. And this is the benefits of this are that it's going to force you to go out and approach. That's the massive benefit. I remember back in the day when I was going out and the pickup scene was huge and I was going out with a bunch of, you know, wannabe PUA guys or, you know, trying to be PUAs. And I was going out with them. And what would happen? They would huddle. This is when I had really massive approaching anxiety. So it sucked because they would huddle around and talk to each other. And they wouldn't talk to any girls. Like once in a while, they'd kind of go and do it, but they wouldn't do it. Why? Because it's so easy to not do that if you have your friends with you, if you have a group with you. Unless you have a wingman who is literally on the same page as you, which a few months later, I found a guy who was a wingman. We, we were like on the same page. We're like, we're going out to talk to girls. I'm pushing you. You're pushing me. This is why we're going out. That's a really, really specific circumstance if you find someone who's doing that. If you go out with your normal friends who are not listening to this podcast, it's going to be hard for you to go and approach. They're probably not doing it. And it's so much easier to stay at home base with your friends and feel all comfortable. To answer your question, semi-answer your question, is you know you should go out. Not answer your specific question. You said, what can someone do to not seem antisocial? The preference is not to go out with the group or wingman. Okay, so we answered that one. You won't look antisocial. And your next question was, is there a workaround to seem more interesting alone? Well, I guess I kind of answered that question too. You will seem interesting because everything that I'm teaching you and using TED, tension, entertainment, and dominance, and being able to converse with a woman, that's all going to be there. That's going to make you seem interesting and it's going to be fine. And you said, I realize this isn't the ideal situation at all. Oscar, my friend, my loyal listener, as you have stated above, longtime listener of the podcast, you're good to go, my friend. 
Don't worry about it. Go out, have fun. Some of my best nights out. And I didn't do it enough. I wish I did it more because like I told you, I had some wingmen, but my best nights were going out alone. They were the best nights. Literally, I think every time. And then I remember even several years later when I was fully single, this is when I was going out and I was and I was in Europe. I was all alone. I was there for six weeks and I had to go out and approach alone. I'd approach during the day and I'd approach at night and it just forces you to approach. Why? Because you have no one to talk to <laughs> and you're going to want to talk to someone. That's the beauty of it. You have no one to talk to and you're going to feel very uncomfortable sitting there alone. Guess when you don't feel uncomfortable? When are you in your comfort zone? I'll tell you when. When you're with your friend and you're looking around the bar and seeing what girls to talk to, you're just comfortable. You don't have to say a word. You can just sit there holding your drink or your water or whatever. And well, you're all good. And guess what? There's no growth there, but it's really uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable to be at a bar with no one standing there next to no one, not doing anything. And that's good. That's very uncomfortable. So guess what happens? You force yourself to approach so you can start talking to people. So that's what I'm saying here. Going out alone is good. I will do a whole episode on this in the future. We'll talk more about it. But uh, but there you go. All right. If you need more help and you feel you need to do this, and you want more very specific advice from A to Z, go get my Hooked program, getherhooked.com. If you need more help and you want to work with a coach, go to coachedbytrip.com, put you into a full program and help you and push you and motivate you to go out, talk to women and do it. Even going out alone, I'll teach you how to do that. All that's possible for you. You know where to go. Go to the show notes or just enter those URLs in the browser and go check it out. I'm here to help you. Signing off. Thanks for your questions. If you have a question, email me trip at tripadvice.com with the subject line podcast question, and I'll be here to help you. Lots of questions in the queue, more to come, but I'm here to help you. So write me. Talk to you soon.